2: Welcome, everybody, to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. Uh, today is Thursday, uh, May 6th. We don't have a May the 4th or Cinco de Mayo today. We just have a normal Thursday, May 6th. Nothing normal, though, because there's all sorts of day games, lots to talk about. Uh, my guest and co host today is Brock Miller from Fade the Noise. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, at BrocknessMonster. And uh, I, I'm thrilled to have you on here, Brock. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. I'm just, uh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I really want to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time scrolling through Twitter, uh, reading lots of interesting stuff from a lot of great analysts, um, you know, just a lot of people that could deserve to be here, maybe just as much as me. So um super excited to be here. Thanks.
2: No problem. No problem. You know, and that's one of the things with the Rotowire pod is we're trying to bring in new voices all the time. Uh, you know, I, I've been around in this industry for a super long time, but so I can, it's easy for me to kind of go stay with my old reliables, but I, you know, this is a great opportunity for me too. I benefit a ton just by getting to meet people. So, and you and I played together in TGFBI, I think, what, three years ago, Uh, the first season of TGFBI. And that's how I got to know you a little bit online. Might as well get to know you a little bit. We were talking off air about what you do for a living. You're really busy right now. uh, And busy is a good
3: thing. Busy keeps the trouble away. Yeah. I've, I've, I've come to learn in my life. Busy is a good thing for me, um, but absolutely real job sometimes uh, kind of takes over things. And um, it just it's one of those things when it rains, it pours. You know, I, yeah. I, I hate those worn out cliches as much as anybody, but they've become worn out cliches for a good reason, usually. And and that's one of them. Um, baseball picked up right at the same time. My real job is just kind of taken off. It, it's been a crazy uh, six weeks or so
2: indeed it indeed and hey that that's that's good that means those bills, bills are being paid you can play more DFS so uh, you can look at it that way uh, let's jump right into uh, the news because it's copious uh starting off with John means, uh huge outing yesterday with the no-hitter uh, you know one drop, third strike away from it being a perfect game means is interesting this year because he's on an awful team no bullpen support little offensive support at times too yet he keeps rolling he, he's a top 20 pitcher in baseball right now, I'd argue. And I didn't argue that enough at the beginning of the season. In fact, I didn't argue that. I was staying away because of the team context. I wish I didn't. Uh, I, I might have to fly another L flag my second of the year.
3: Yeah, yeah. Means is really, I mean, he's somebody, I've, I've got a long list of guys I missed on. I've Luckily, I've got a big enough list of guys that I didn't miss on that uh, most of my teams are, are still well within contention. But Means is somebody, I don't think I have him on nfbc leagues i don't have them in espn um i i definitely i just i didn't need to go there um but looking at the numbers so far this season they look a lot what they did last year and uh i i, I guess it wouldn't have been crazy to maybe expect a little bit about you know what we've seen from him so far um but i don't think we quite saw no hitter from him sadly. no
2: yeah. no not at all um and the thing is like the way i look i see it too is uh you know i you know he's added velocity. That's the big thing. I, I think, you know, that makes, he already had a, a sweet changeup, but when you add in that, uh, he's, uh, get, you know, at that velocity, it just creates that difference between that and this changeup. And it's just taking it to another level for him. And there's another cliche for you too, another level.
3: Yep. I'm um, trying to take a look. Cause I can't even, you know, most of these guys, I can recall right off the top of my head where they were going in uh, NFBC um so I'm seeing like an ADP of like 222 and that's just a general ADP across all the different formats that they have there you know 222 is going back there with Erod um you know somebody that was coming off of missing an entire season David Price same story missed an entire season mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery James Paxton a guy that we were hopeful we you know there's a lot of upside there with Paxton but um also a lot of question marks there obviously with him and Right there in the middle of those guys, we had Jean, Jean, uh, John Mean staring right at us. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there you go. And it's, you know, it's, and also, but you know what? That's useful to do. That I means still
2: means okay, it's legit. You can trade for them and trade leagues. Obviously, in the NFPC, it doesn't help us. We can still use them in DFS uh, and realize that okay, this is real. This is legit. Even though if we missed it on some of our leagues, there are other outlets. I always find DFS is to be is like the great FOMO equalizer. If I miss out on a guy, hey, still can use them.
3: Absolutely. Um, DFS can really be a good hedge for your season long teams. You know, guys that you've missed out on, you know, you could just take advantage of them in DFS. You know, Means is is one of those guys. He's pitched like a $10,000 pitcher all season long so far and consistently, you know, in $8,000, $9,000 range. So. How often do you
2: pay up for the $10,000 pitchers when you're playing, like if you're playing DraftKings with two starters?
3: So that's a really good question and, and something that Especially the last week or two, I've really been pondering. I, I, you know, I've been playing DFS since I was trying to look it up the other day, so I knew for sure um, the last or the first screenshot that I can find was like I think in 2013, and, wow. and DraftKings was DraftKings was pretty new then. Um, and you know, something that happens with with DFS, it seems like at least with DraftKings is they they retool their um, their pricing algorithm every off season. And every year it always, it, it seems like it takes April to kind of figure out where the edge is. You know, um, 2019 it seemed like every slate it made a lot of sense to grab an ace and then find a guy that was like 5,800 that you figured could go five innings. That was the way to go in 2019. Uh, most of my success uh, in 2019 was, was doing something similar to that. Um, okay. So far this season, it feels a little bit different. And it makes sense, you know, take a look at the amount of pitchers that we have that are scheduled to start the, you know, our our $5,800 pitcher. Take a look at those guys. Most of them, you're you're going to be surprised if they go four innings. You know, we didn't right. have a lot of that in 2019. It's been a lot harder to to kind of do that stars and scrubs with, you know, like on a site like DraftKings, where you get to pick two pitchers. It's been a lot harder to do that. And, you know, with the way that these teams are priced, you know, there's not... I was, I was also looking, um, you know, weighted runs created plus, you know, just kind of a, um, a general stat that kind of encompasses all the offensive output for a team. You know, I, w- I was taking a look, and, and we don't have any of those offenses that have a 125 weighted runs created plus this season. You know, Boston is first right now, and they're 15% above average, a, a 115. You know, 115 would have put them like fourth or fifth over the last couple of seasons. And, and so it, it seems to me like you don't really need that huge, um, expensive stack um, to, to go off. We've got some cheaper teams kind of going off so far this season. And so it, it's it's starting to occur to me that it's going to make a lot more sense this season maybe to pay up on pitching on both spots. You know, we've we've seen a lot of GPPs already, um, you know, winning rosters where, you know, you had two, two $10,000 pitchers on DraftKings winning those um you know, those, those tournaments. And that's a lot of, you know, single entry GPP. That's what I play primarily. I don't play cash games anymore. Um, I don't build, you know, I don't, I don't build 150 lineups. I don't, I don't max those. I don't even max the the 20 anymore. Um, You know, some slates, it, it makes sense to do that, but I'm, I'm mostly a single entry GPP player. And um, yeah, so this year pitching, um, am I paying up 10,000 at least once, if not twice? Interesting. Uh, and you know, I, I, I'm not a, I,
2: I'm, I, I kind of just, I'm a dilettante when it comes to the DFS. I, I enjoy it. Uh, but I couldn't rely on it as a living. Luckily I have my uh, rotowires provided a pretty good living for me over the years. So, uh, you know, I don't have to play on my own dime on that as much, but the other, and the thing is I just, we all have, you know, our strengths, right? I, I think I'm stronger in season long. I I'm stronger in, just being able to do lots of multiple sports and lots of and, and that sort of time sucking. I mean, to do it right, you really have to put a lot of time in to put, put your lineups together. And I feel like between my radio and my media responsibilities and just site responsibilities, I don't have time to put together. Uh, you know, uh, especially for tournament lineups, where I think there's uh, you know after you have to know like the ownership levels, you have to try to guess at that. I'm, I'm that's not a strength of mine.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and that's that's a good thing. Uh, that's that's a good way to, to put it too. Is stick to your strengths. You know, like I think a lot of us um, in in our real jobs, right? In our normal jobs, we we know what that means. We do that at work. You know, like like when I'm at work, you know, stick to your strengths. You know, we we get hit up to do work uh, certain types of jobs that we don't normally do, and it's like, well, we. We could take on this work or we could just stick to the type of work that's a little bit more in our wheelhouse, something that we really know how to make money with. And, you know, DFS is kind of a similar thing like that. Um, I, I think, you know, you got to know what your strengths are. And, you know, my mm-hmm. my strength is, you know, picking out, you know, figuring out who the the two top most uh, uh, popular stacks are going to be and cross them off my list and, and find a stack that's probably got just as good a chance as going off that night but it's going to come at a fraction of the ownership. You know, that's that's what I'm good at is, you know, looking for those, those teams that are projected for, you know, 4.7 or 5.2 runs, but the people aren't going to be on, you know, look for for those funny kind of numbers that we're seeing, you know, especially like right now early in the season. Um, you know, I, I know like a, an example here is is Detroit's numbers against left-handed pitching. Absolutely putrid, right? I think like a 38 weighted runs created plus or something like that. Well, anyways, Jeff Zimmerman on Twitter the other day um, uh, put out a link. He he wrote an article on his site about uh, about how other teams, when you know five weeks into the season, when they have a split as bad as the Tigers do, you know, so like under a fifty weighted runs created plus or or something like that, um, you know, how do those teams end up finishing in the season and the worst yeah. split in at the end of the year the worst splits in all of baseball? You know, you're talking like a seventy eight or an 81s uh, way to run to plus, which, you know, granted, those are horrible numbers, but, you know, the way that people are putting stock into the, that 38 number for Detroit now, um, so you just know, anytime there's a left-handed pitcher on a slate going up against Detroit, they're going to be massively popular, and if you can poke some holes in that pitcher, there's a good place to start your pivot right there, and that's that's a good way to attack single entry GPP.
2: You mean you can't poke holes in uh, Martin Perez? exactly you
3: know know what the the weather actually gave me an out there um, i'll i'll admit to um to go in there uh i rostered him yesterday worked out just fine and the weather was just enough to scare people off he was four percent owned four percent wow So four percent owned against detroit you know left-handed pitcher at four percent owned i could go for that um I, i figured he'd be lower owned um you know if there's no weather issues there Uh, I'll bet you he was more. He was going to be more like twenty five percent owned. So sure,
2: um. yeah, that makes sense. Today it was weird because the main slate was a day slate. You know, all but like two of the games were in the day slate, Uh, and you know, I I'll admit I used Avaldi. I was kind of the square uh, as that, and that did not go very well at all. Uh, Yeah, it's ugly. Um, Which is you know, it's kind of a interesting you know thing that you know you see that, and I feel like it was weird for me is early on. I thought I could handle I was I was doing pretty well. I was nailing pitchers pretty well. Lately, it's not not as well as, in part because guys are getting priced up a little bit too. The guys that I could get in the 7500 like a Freddie Peralta against the Cubs for 7500, now he's in the 9000s. And it's not as nearly as much of a value. It gets a little bit tighter, a little bit tougher.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and then there's a couple of those guys that just it it hasn't really adjusted up yet for you know like JT mm-hmm. BruBaker was still like 6500 the other day or whatever yep. and you know he's been a good pitcher there's there's still a couple of them out there but overall i i agree with that um it's it's catching up a little bit there joe musgrove is is just is not going to be you know 8500 and 12% owned anymore you know people right. people are really caught up to his uh, performance thus far so
2: yeah i think that's right uh, okay. A couple other big news items here. Albert Pujols, you've heard of him. Uh, the angels designated him for assignment. He went to them and asked for his release after getting benched last night against, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, who had, you know, I think he was like six for nine in his career against him with a couple homers, or maybe it was nine for 12. Uh, he, he was looking at all the, the BBP charts and all that. And he's like, Hey, you got to put me in What am I doing? If I'm not playing, what am I doing here? If I'm not playing in this game? Uh, now this is kind of this has been building up. It's he, he had gotten a decent run of playing time, but they've got guys that are lining up. And Gerald Walsh really should be playing first base, shouldn't be playing the outfield anyhow. There's really not a place to play pools when Otani's in the lineup. So you can see why where this was going. But at the same time, it's a little still shocking to me to see it happen.
3: Definitely. And you know, it, it's interesting too. I don't know how this works. Um, but you know, he has like a 10 year contract a personal services agreement uh for 10 years that follows the expiration of his of his current contract you know his, his player contract so it's obviously it's not the same thing he was what 23 million a year um under his player contract there but um he still has a a, a 10-year deal um for the angels that uh, starts next year so i don't know what a personal services contract is um you know to right. be an assistant or, or whatever there but uh, i guess theoretically he's going to be back with the angels starting you know next year i guess right if yeah it's kind of like the out contract well. right it's just yeah it strikes me as a uh uh you know it's a
2: deferred payment and they might find a role for him possibly or they may just say you know, just just casher you know they, they may have him coach or they may just let him just do his thing i don't know
3: that that's interesting. So maybe that is just a way to, you know, push some of that money back. I know that like kind of Philadelphia did that with Bryce Harper. You know, Bryce Harper yeah. wanted three hundred and thirty million. And instead of giving him ten year and three hundred and thirty million and having thirty three million count towards the uh um the luxury tax purposes there, mm-hmm. they gave it to him for thirteen. So, you know, he gets his three hundred and thirty million. If they, you know, if they release him with three years left, he's still gonna get his money and you know, luxury tax purposes they didn't have to um well they're uh, further underneath the uh the threshold there so yeah i with pool hosts, i mean he is such a um such an interesting case there i still remember the day he signed that contract i still remember a lot of the conversations that that came from signing that contract i um it, you know it's kind of funny is i i don't think i'd rostered him in DFs in like three years and i yeah. actually got a couple times over the last couple weeks i I got like a, a $2800 home run out of him a, a couple. Nice. So he was hitting he was hitting okay there and you know the Angels though it it is interesting. I mean he's been he's just been bad, right? I mean look at his weighted runs created uh, last year, the year before definitely just one of the worst hitters in baseball, right? There's not a lot of debate there. He's been bad and you know that offense is good uh even with his, you know, bad number right there in the middle of them there. So um, but I, I I think you nailed that. You know, you, you got to get Walsh in there. You got to you got to start figuring out some of these long term pieces here. You know, they've they've really got to put a, a competitive team out there uh, with Mike Trout. And they, they've they got to start figuring out things soon.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, you know, it, it's they realize the, the concept of sunk costs. I mean, the fact is, he, they, they're going to pay him regardless. Why pay in your lineup, too? I mean, they've been doing this for years. And in fact, they've been doing it in like key spots in the lineup too not just him playing, but often embedding right behind trout or, you know, a couple spots down. I mean, it took a long time for the kind of get to that realization, which yeah. makes you wonder like how much of this is driven by the, like the owner, for instance, rather than at the managerial level. And finally they had enough.
3: Yeah. He, the owner is the one that forced that contract. You know, that wasn't yeah. DePoto's idea. That was already Moreno's idea to sign that contract. So, you know, I, I know pool host is, he said a lot about you know chasing the home run records, trying to move up the home home run records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't even say that he was necessarily going to be done playing after this year. So if he's released now, like you know he's he's trying to find a job right now. Sure, of course,
2: and that's that's why he was pushing on that. I've already seen people speculate about the White Sox because they've had a couple injuries, but. Position-wise, it doesn't really help them that much because they really need help in the outfield. That's where they need the help. They, they have plenty of first-base DH types.
3: And I, I can't think of a team out there that really needs a DH. You know, the, the American League teams, you know, last year the, the National League teams had to scramble a little bit for it. Right. Um, but like the American League teams, all those teams are pretty well built with the idea that we don't have a DH you know, d h is a spot where we get a guy off his legs for for a day, but we still have his bat in the lineup. I mean, you know most of the teams are doing that now. so I just I honestly don't see where pools fits on on any of the teams.
2: Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I have to agree with that as well. Um, injury notes. Of course, there are many. There are plenty. Uh, today Byron Buxton uh, left with a hip strain. Uh, we all know Byron Buxton gets hurt; that's what he does. He's having an amazing year, but he's already missed time on a couple of different it- issues. Uh, and hopefully, this one in, in particular isn't bad. I won't ask you about the injury so much as, you know, Buxton. How how do you put a value on him for the rest of the year, knowing that this is part of his package?
3: Well, um, yeah, that that's a really good question. I mean, I know how the 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 lenses that I am looking through when I am making these uh, kinds of decisions preseason, you know, during draft season. And and normally I'm looking at this, like, okay, you get Buston, Buxton, an elite player when he's in there. um, And when he's not in there, you know, what's the replacement, you know, and and you kind of try to put those numbers together and and what kind of player comes out on the end there. What, what's interesting though, is, I mean, outfield's been tough. There's and just injuries in general. I mean, you know, buxton's hurt but so is everybody else you know you're you right. for a guy you know if you've got buxton if he goes on the injured list you know you're not replacing him with a with a decent hitter if you had asked me this question six weeks ago you know mid-march my my answer is probably different you know then it's like oh okay you grab somebody off the waiver wire or or if it's a dc or, or something like that you know you're gonna have somebody decent i mean i've got dcs where um if <laughs> you know and, and i mean i drafted six Seven backup outfielders. I've got DCs where if I get an outfielder hurt now, I've got nobody to replace him with. I'm, a, I'm already taking zero. So, I mean, there's just so little depth out there. Every year we get a little bit more uh, heavy, uh, or team uh, offenses are a little bit more dependent on platoons. So, there's just not a lot of replacements out there.
2: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's out, I'm just stunned at how many outfielders in particular, Scott and I, Scott Jensen and I always talk about this hard to find good outfielders. I got, you know, I'm thrilled when Harrison Bader is out there and you know, he's Harrison Bader. I mean, he's playing on a pretty regular basis though. He can get you some power, some speed. Okay. Sign me up. I'll try to get him. I mean, I, I think I got stuck with Brandon Nimmo active this week because I had nobody to replace him. He was day to day. And I was like, okay, I had another two other outfielders on my bench and this is one of my main event teams. And there's just Tim and I, uh, Tim Schuler and I run a team together. And it's like, okay, we should, I guess we should have cut one more guy, but, you can only have so many outfielders.
3: You know, on, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I think you were part of this conversation too. We were all having a good laugh about it where it was one of those situations where you got so many guys that are hurt. You know, you're you're trying to put somebody in the lineup just hoping, hey, maybe they come back from the injury list, you know, a, a couple days earlier. You know, maybe I can get, you know, Wednesday and Thursday at-bats out of them.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. look at – and then, you like, you had this tough decision this week. What do you do with Christian Yelich? Okay, he's in the lineup Monday. Let's put him in. Boom, we're back, baby. Let's go. One game later, he's back on the I.L. Come on. I mean, I I feel bad for him. I mean, of course, obviously. But it's tough. And then you can't even bench your slumping guys when this happens. You know, sometimes you've got some guys that are marginal, questionable guys. But playing time's king. I mean, you just need some sort of counting stats.
3: Yeah. I, I think I have Tommy Pham in like four out of my 11 leagues on NFBC. And mm-hmm. he's active in every single one of them. That whatever one thirty batting average or, or whatever it is, and um, you know batting average, that's that's kind of the one spot that's that seems like it's really hurting. You know, people are talking about a lot on Twitter there, uh, a lot a lot of t- right. tweets about batting average just being down across the league or whatever. And um, I I took kind of a, um, a, a look at it. Uh, I compared. Um, I made like tiers, you know, like three hundred hitters, two hundred hitters below the mendoza line and the amount of hitters that are below 200 i think you know most other years you're talking between 11 and 13% of qualified hitters under 200 at this point in the season you know 5 weeks into the season and this week that number it's uh or this year rather numbers up around like 18% um you know so so 70% more hitters hitting under 200 and um yeah it's it's been tough to deal with
2: yeah, I mean median uh, batting average in the NFBC main event is 245 245 I mean a 260 hitter helps you it's not just okay to have a 260 hitter you're like psyched to get a 260 hitter it, it, it's uh-huh. wild um, and then so and so when you get a slumper I mean it's you know and then with the combined with the injuries and the batting average problems sometimes you just got to roll with it like we so we had a question here uh, from Lancer who asked a couple questions about a couple, uh, question about the wild fielder. Quick opinions on Mortis, Gurriel and Victor Robles. Uh, and, you know, Robles, let's start with him. He's hitting 224 right now. This is heading into today's game, which just ended. They lost 3-2. to two. I don't know what he did today. But uh, he's, he's got no homers. He's got one stolen base. He's been caught three times. He's not even running well when he runs. He is walking more. Yay. But, you know, you got to actually do something at some point in time. He's got three extra base hits, and none of those are homers. You know, he's lost that leadoff spot more often than not. I mean, what do you do with the Victor Robles?
3: Well, yeah. Um, so he's he's definitely hitting eighth a lot this year. He's hitting eighth, so he's hitting in front of the pitcher. Um, not a not a great spot there. Just kind of pulling up a couple of the numbers, taking a look underneath the hood. Um, you know, the the plate discipline there. He's actually swinging the bat a lot less. His swing rate is down to forty two percent. So you know that's quite. You know, usually he's up there about fifty percent. So he's swinging mm-hmm. less, which means he's you know chasing a little bit less there, but. The quality of contact just must be absolutely horrible if if he's chasing less and he's still putting up like absolutely no numbers because, you know, it's not like this guy was a complete bum. Um, what was uh, – let's see, what was that, 17 home runs in 2019. That was his kind of first shot at, at having the job there. 600, uh, 600 plate appearances, hit 17 home runs with all those steals. So, um, you know, this is a guy that we've seen. You know, the walk rate's 12%. It, it looks – I mean, if you're really looking for some silver lining on this guy, he's definitely taking a different approach at the plate there. Um, You know, 12% walk rate this year, years past, he's a 5% walk rate type of guy. So, you know, for, for context, that means he just doesn't walk, you know, 5% is pretty low there. So he's definitely making a a noticeable adjustment at the plate. It's not working out so far. I kind of, you know, when it, when a guy who's good enough at baseball to the point that he's made it to the major leagues is making big changes like that, like those changes haven't paid off so far. I've, I've got to think he, he finds a happy medium there between this new approach and the old approach. And, uh, I, I think, you know, we're not going to see as much power as we saw from, from him before. Uh, maybe he's not that, that 20 home or 30 stolen base guy there. Um, but I, I think he's going to be able to get back to some kind of, you know, respectable level there. Um, I just hate the stat
2: Statcast uh, stuff, though. I mean, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage—they're all down, and they were down even in two thousand nineteen. That's the thing. Scott Jensen yeah. is always, uh, you know, talking about that. Uh, but yeah, and you know, you start hitting the eighth a lot—that means fewer running chances, especially with the lack of uh, DH. It's a real problem. Um, I don't know what I. I, I I only have him in one league and it's an OBP league. So he isn't killing me as much, but yeah, I expected him to run. I, when I get everybody healthy again in that league, I might, I'm going to have to make a hard choice on it pretty soon. And it's a keeper league too. It's a long-term dynasty. League. It's XFL. So I've got him at a, you know, a great deal, you know, and he and slow acceleration too. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, but you, you, you got to produce at some point. I mean, we only have 15 keepers, you know, you have to make that decision. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, Made some decisions, kept – I let some other use, potentially useful guys go because I wanted to keep the, you know, the long-term upside. But at some point, you have to start delivering, and it's a tough call. Uh, the Blue Jays, Lordis Gurriel, I mean, he, they, they bought some time with him because George Springer's going back in the IL. And uh, judging by the comments I saw from the Toronto Beat writers today, they're thinking it's going to be more than your 10 days with this uh, back-to-the-IL trip because of his quad injury. But uh, Lourdes Gurriel's batting eighth in the lineup again, too, uh, a lot. He's not hitting for average. That's the one thing he was supposed to be able to do. He's hitting 221 going in a day, two homers, nine RBI, eight, st- eight runs and one stolen base uh, that, for a top 10 round player. That's just not getting it done.
3: Yeah. I'll take a look at his numbers real quick too. And, you know, the batting average balls and plays down a little bit and stuff like that, but absolutely no power from him. Um, you know, the, it's, you know, look, looking at the rankings, looking at the numbers there, I mean, it's supposed to be a 50 hit tool, it's supposed to be a 55 raw power. We're supposed to see a lot more out of this guy than we've seen from him so far this season. Um, but you know, as a guy that already didn't walk, um, and he's he's not walking at all this year, uh, that he didn't really have any room for that to get any worse there. So he's got a 58 weighted runs created plus so far this year, and, and he's definitely earned it. But you know, that, that said, man, you know. It's it's kind of strange when a guy let's see last year 135 weighted runs created plus the year before 124. It, it's it's kind of hard to put up numbers that solid for right. a couple of years and then just disappear. Not going to say that it doesn't happen because we've seen it, but it's pretty unlikely. So there's got to be some kind of a rebound in this guy. But it's one of those guys I you know like said, you're, you're hoping for some batting average from him, but he's not going to hit that many home runs. He's got a little bit of power. He's not going to steal. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough spot because this is a guy that you don't want to trust, but there's just there's not a lot of depth on the waiver wire.
2: Yeah, I trade for him, I think, in trade leagues. I, I think you could probably get him at a reasonable price. Uh, you know, you just point out, well, I, I'm short an outfielder. You know, you can't, you know, you kind of like, okay, you, you list him among the choices that you're seeking out. And of course, uh, the, his, the guy who's got him rostered will probably rather trade him than someone that's doing better right now and hopefully, go, you know, kind of approach it like that. And otherwise, if he doesn't want to trade Lourdes Garelli, he thinks highly of him, just like you might, might be, maybe you get another outfielder that's doing better. But either way, you're trying to find somebody there.
3: Well, I think it's it's too. It's probably whoever has him is deciding between trading him and cutting him, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, for
3: that's right. He for that, too. So.
2: Yeah, that's, that's also
3: true. Um,
2: okay, a couple other uh, notes, injury notes here. Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, just went back on the I.L. Uh, this time after falling a ball, a ball off his kneecap. This is a second trip already this season. He he had a you know, a little bit of a slow start last year because of health health issues. I mean it's part of his bag as well. You know, same as like we were talking about Buxton earlier. It's kind of similar to that here too.
3: Yeah, Rendon is um, you know, gosh, I mean extremely talented player. You know both sides of the ball, obviously. Um, you know somebody that played an integral role in that World Series that the Nationals won in 2019, but. Man, after he locked into that contract, it's been it's been one thing after another for him. I mean, you know, even in the shortened season last year, um, I I know that you know he was somebody that I valued in drafts just because he he felt like uh, maybe like a third round guy that was more being drafted, you know, further down fourth and fifth round there. Um, you know, I I just I didn't really like third base much after you know if it wasn't Machado or if it wasn't him, you know, or or Devers, you know, those kind of three. Um, top choices there anything below or Jose as well um you know after that I didn't really like a whole lot of the options there but um yeah it's it's been a tough go of it and you know for me a lot of the notes that I'm taking with this is you know you take Rendon out of that lineup and you know of course Mike Trout's hitting 400 and mm-hmm. um <laughs> we don't even really expect that to come back down at, at all like maybe he's just going to hit 400 he's he's that good and, and Otani's great of course and um you know, Walsh has been solid against against righties. I, I think Walsh overperformed a little bit last year. I, I I'm a fan of Walsh in uh, DFS in, in certain scenarios there, but that that lineup's getting a little you know watered down there. Um, so we'll we'll see. Maybe they can call up you know Joe Adele. Um, you know somebody who was obviously a horrible debut there. Get some reinforcements for that that lineup because you know the Angels performed pretty well this year. Um, but if you take, if you know, if Rendon's going to be out for a while, I don't want to see where that ends up.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, it's like, I always argue the Angels seem to be this, like the sum is less than, you know, the whole is less than the sum of their parts. They, they have Trout, they have Otani, they have Rendon when he's healthy, but they don't put it all together. They always seem to be like, oh yeah, this should be a really good team. You look at Trout, well, you start with Trout and you look at some of the other issues, uh, some of the other uh, top players, you oh, know, yeah, it should be a pretty good team. And you look at them with their, the three games under 500, four games under 500, what's going on again here? And I know a lot of that could be arguably is pitching, but it's, I, I wonder what's what's going on with them. And it's tough when you lose uh, one of your key players.
3: Yeah, yeah, they, they just – they don't have a lot of room. They don't have depth. You know, they're they're kind of the anti-Dodgers, right? You know, the, yeah. the Dodgers usually – you know, somebody gets hurt and they're going to replace him. You know, like last year, you know, if Turner was hurt, they, they replaced him with Edwin Rios, you know, who – who's a guy right. that looks like somebody with regular playing time could post like a 300 ISO or something like that. You know, like right. that's the guy that you replaced, you know, one of your, your stars with. The Angels are definitely different than that. And um, well, and even we're, we're kind of seeing that the Dodgers are a little bit different than that this season. Their, their sure. depth does not look the way that it did last year. But uh, Our know. guy
2: Rios in particular has really struggled, and that's uh, unfortunate. I had him in some a lot of DCs early on.
3: Yeah, he especially early on. He was he was a great target there when we didn't know that Turner was coming back or not there. Um some I I think I've got him in a couple and I I what is he like oh for the last 30? Like something like that. Horrible. And and if it isn't bad enough that the guy's oh for thirty, you know, I watch pretty much every single Dodger game. So I've gotten to watch every single one of those O for 30. And they're just they're horrible, you know. He it, it, it feels like one Uribe um, from, like, you know, whatever, seven years well, ago. there's a throwback, yeah. When Uribe was going so bad, Uribe was hilarious because he had the exact same swing, and he would just go up there. He would, like, I, I swear, he would just have it in his head, like, okay, fourth pitch, we're swinging. You know, he'd go up there and take a couple pitches, make it look like he's trying to read the pitcher or whatever, and on the fourth fourth pitch, he'd take this huge swing right down the middle. And if the pitch wasn't right down the middle, he'd swing and miss. It'd be two feet (laughs) down, three feet outside. It didn't really matter. He had the same swing every time. And Edwin Rios, one of the most powerful, um, quick, you know, it's kind of a, um, it starts out a a short swing, but he really ends.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: long but um it, it's a great swing but it's the same swing no matter what it doesn't matter oh and two it doesn't matter if the pitch is down low the pitch is up high um he's just he, he just seems like he doesn't read the pitch at all he's just he's got a good swing but doesn't read it well hopefully
2: you know rios's career can model Uribe's how he came back after that mm-hmm. initial horrible stretch of the dodgers he's actually pretty good when they started you know making the playoffs again he was actually a key part of that which you know, maybe that, that can be the hope there. That's the uh, goals in life, if you will, but uh, we'll see. Uh, before we go on, quick note from our uh, sponsors. Uh, we always do this. They uh, have a couple of pre-recorded ads we're going to put in right now.
1: Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases
2: If for those of you that were on the audio podcast, thanks for listening to our ads. It does help us quite a bit, uh, but uh, let's uh, keep going. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Brock Miller from Faith and Noise. I've been talking a lot of uh, injury notes. Just I want to talk generally, just dealing with injuries this year, how hard it's been, you know, both season long and from D- a DFS standpoint. You know, I don't know. I, I've seen some pushback from like Will Carroll su- suggesting that the number, the injury numbers aren't that aren't h- higher than they are, but, I gotta tell you, I feel like they're higher than ever.
3: You, you know, uh, in if I'm going on based on a feeling, I'm right with you. It feels like there's just there's so much news; it's so much to keep up with. And you know, based on that alone, I could tell you there's more injuries. But you know, I saw some numbers from uh, Derek Rhodes on on Twitter. I don't I don't know if you yeah. have him on Twitter. I um, do. He's kind of the injury guy there and um, does a great job. And you know, and he ran through the numbers, and they're they're definitely up. There's definitely more injuries. Um, and then I, I think on top of it too, um, you know, guys are, are getting nicked up and, and it seems this is another one that one of these things that I, I can't prove and I, I have no numbers for, but it seems like, uh, you know, teams are a little bit more likely to rest guys. I, I think they're kind of seeing, you know, how these guys are, are, or they're taking more into context, how guys are performing when they are nicked up and you know right. what, they're just, they're getting guys time off uh, a little bit more, you know, they're using the bench guys a little bit more than they have in in years past. You know, if if your star player's nicked up, you know, you sit them down. You know, in in years past, you know, some of those guys, you know, your top players are playing, you know, 155 games a year. Um, I I think it'll be interesting to see how numbers come out at the end of the year, but I don't think you have hardly anybody playing 160 or 150 games this year.
2: I agree. And, you know, funny thing is I, I thought it would show up a lot on the pitching side. I didn't realize it would affect the hitting side nearly as much as it has. I think that's the thing that's caught me off guard
3: yeah, yeah, between the, uh, you know, abnormally low batting averages early in the season, um, you know, and, and and then the injuries on top of it, I mean, it's been it's been quite a scramble.
2: It has. It has. I was reading a, a tweet too that the start of the minor league season is tracking similarly too. that it's, it's sloppy play at least. Uh, stru- you know, strikeout rate in the California League games early on, is super high. Uh, there's, and the errors are also high in the first few games too. I mean, it's a few games. We're talking two, three games here. So, uh, you know, say, say what you will about the sample, but at the same time, you know, it's, it just shows, I mean, these guys have been off and then the minor league guys, they've been off for two years. Uh, we saw Hunter green. He had his first start yesterday in over a thousand days, which is just wild to me. But, you know, you know, for anybody that didn't get to the you know, alternate training campsite or even worse, you know, they just, you know, didn't get anything at all. I mean it's just got to be such a ramp up here. I think we're going to see a lot of minor league injuries too.
3: Yeah, and 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 that kind of makes sense, you know, you you play golf, right? Yes, poorly, but avidly. Okay. So imagine you only went to the driving range for a year and a half. You just mm-hmm. never got out on the course. So you're not like not playing golf at all. You you have you're not like not touching the golf clubs. But you haven't been out on the course. You haven't, you know, really put it to use. You've just been at the driving range for a year and a half, and then you go back out there to, you know, to play around. It, it's not going to be the same, you know. No nope. practicing for a year and a half isn't the same as, you know, mixing in the, the, you know, the, the final version there. You, you know, you're not playing any games. You're not out on the actual course. You know, putting it to use. So, uh, I, I think that makes sense for me. I, I play, play some golf uh, as, as well, and, um, you know that that makes sense for me and. Seeing that from the minor league guys, uh, just kind of fits right along with that.
2: You're out in the Riverside, right? So um,
3: side of the river, yes. Yeah,
2: so it, it'd be like uh, going to Oak Quarry after not playing any course for about a year and a half to playing a hard course and playing it from the tips. A beautiful course, mind you, but uh, you know, it just doing that without just having you know, just going in the driving range where you have a and, and one where you can't hit driver too like a short driving range or something like that you know and you're only hitting off a of mats. that's it. that that's almost what it's like there the controlled environment so yeah i agree It'd be really that, difficult that's
3: the analogy hitting off the mat versus hitting off the grass there you go yeah,
2: there you go indeed um okay let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing uh dfs wise you mentioned that you like doing a uh, you know single game single entry game contest the most you, why did you stop playing cash games
3: so um, that was something that kind of happened over the course of a few years. Um, you know, cash games, It's something that I quit playing in baseball, but not other sports. And And now I, I mostly just kind of take the off season off. Um, okay. You know, I, I do so much for baseball between season long, between DFS, between writing. You know, last year I was doing a solo podcast, which was just absolutely taxing. um you know i i got to the end and you know everybody's tweeting about nfl dfs all day and i was like i i don't care i'm not playing i don't i don't want to watch i don't just Mm -hmm. nothing um uh so i just needed the time off but um i after i quit playing uh, cash games in baseball i was still playing cash games in in the nba and i think that makes a lot of sense um the nba is such a Uh, In in NFL too, those are sports where DFS wise for playing cash games, you're really just trying to predict volume, you know, and, and with that volume, a a certain floor of fantasy points are going to come along with it. And that's easy to do. That's, that's something that if you're good at it, you know, you can string together, you know, seven straight good days, you know, in in NBA cash games, you know, in, in baseball, you're, it's, there's, the variance is just way too high in baseball um in 2013 2014 um you know i would i would get on and, and read roto grinders articles and and read about you know in fantasy insiders articles and read about playing and, and you know that was the big thing play cash games play cash games you know you can put 10 percent of your bankroll into gpp but you want to focus on playing cash games and and kind of build up that bankroll and you know back then the the rake on the dfs sites was like eight percent or, or whatever um you know the rake now is like 15, 16% in cash Crazy. games, I think, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's doubled and you might not think that affects you, but it really does in the long run. Um, there's been a few articles posted by some of my friends on Twitter over the last, um, you know, actually, especially over the last six weeks, you know, this year people are really, um, you know, the words getting out on, on game selection and DFS and, you know, to win in cash games, I mean, you've got to win 70% of the time. And if you're winning 70% of the time, that's an 8% return on investment to, to give a little bit of context there, you can like make eight times as much money by playing single entry DFS every day, losing 29 days. And then, you know, you, you build a big one on the 30th day, you know, you, you're, you you're, you're, you're losing most of the time and <laughs> it, you got to have the stomach to be able to go out there and just. And the bankroll stopped, for that matter. It's cash yeah. 30 or, or 40. Well, yeah. And you got to manage your bankroll right too. You know, don't, don't go out there and put twenty five percent out there on any you know given day. Um, but yeah, you, you you've got to have uh, you got to be able to um, commit to the process and and lose for an extended period of time. But you know you, if you get that big one, you know on that thirtieth day, that makes up for it tenfold. You're going to make way more money than you would have even if you were out there you know cashing in in cash games seventy percent of the time.
2: That's in a really arresting number. Seventy percent of the time is what you need to win in you know in cash games. That that blows me away um, because you that used to be like the safe harbor. Like okay, play a lot of head to heads and you can get le- play lower rate games like that and you can get by. But you know this this that's really eye opening.
3: Yeah, cash game. I just everybody you know I, I try not to jump on on Twitter and and poo poo the whole thing um, in in front of everybody and you know there really are. Uh, plenty of people out there that just enjoy the idea of cash games and enjoy the process that goes into cash games and stuff. Um, but anybody that hits me up in private, like, you know, hey, help me out with uh with some DFS, hey, help help me out with DraftKings or whatever. First thing I tell them is, okay, you know, if you want to just focus on one lineup, you know, that, that's what I do. If you don't have the time to build 20, build 150 lineups, or whatever. If you're only building one lineup, then you know, put that lineup in smarter contest, you know. So you know, single entry is is one thing, but I'm not talking like the five dollar single entry because even that one, you know, there's there's four thousand entries in there. You know, winning mm-hmm. that one, you know, you're going to have to come up with pretty close to an optimal lineup to win that one. Um, so my advice is, you know, stick with single entry GPP. You know, be able to um, really get paid when you when you come up with a big one on that day. Um, but for, for most of us, you know, trying to win a GPP with, you know, two, three, 400 people uh, in that contest is is probably a good target, you know, stick to those ones. And, you know, if you want to play um, a little bit less money, you know, if you're a little bit more of a casual player, say you're only, you know, playing 15 bucks, um, you know, get in there. FanDuel and DraftKings both have these contests where, you know, they limit it to 100 entries or whatever, you know, come up with a a, a, a pseudo cash game lineup. Um, you know maybe think of a good pivot in there here there you know if you really sense some bad chalk on on one of the pitchers or whatever then that's that's a good place to to kind of pivot there but you know stick to a, a, a lineup like that and stick to those contests where you know you're only trying to beat a, a hundred people I mean you're you're gonna have a lot more success doing that that's something where you know you can go out there and win one of those every couple of weeks you know and, and you're 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 going to have a lot more fun than if you're, you know, trying to build a lineup and try to build, uh, beat, you know, four thousand people in in the five dollar, you know, single entry GPP. You're you're going to have a lot more fun uh, in in those smaller contests there, and you know, and and on, uh, I'm not sure on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, the rake is a lot less on those as well. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, smart, uh, you know, And again, I think that's the thing. I think, you know,
2: people lose sight of what you know, looking what the rake is. I sometimes overlook it, sometimes too. Uh, you know you get you get comfort you get in a groove you get comfortable and you just start playing these kind of you always play they kind of sneak in and take take away from you on that too so uh, I think that's really good advice
3: well and it's it's interesting too I mean you know talking about the rake you know like in, in cash games you need to win 70 percent of the time you know change that to you need to win 60 percent of the time you know that's that's a big difference right there you know put you know think of it in some other terms you know Maybe, you know, Garrett Cole, like, like today, what was Garrett Cole? 10,200.
2: Something like that. Um, like that
3: on draft like just over 10,000. Well, what if he was only 9,000 today? Like, I mean, you would have had to have used them, right? You know, 10,000 against a team that doesn't strike out so much. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a debate there, but, you know, right. reduce the price by 10%, like 9,000. Oh, he's got, you know, smash, you know, you're, you're, you're going with that, you know? You know so if if you're gonna be able to um, uh, improve your odds by you know five percent, you know improve those numbers by seven percent, it might not seem like a lot, but you got to take advantage of those kinds of things.
2: yeah, absolutely. Um uh, I and he was ten five, by the way. I just looked it up, but uh, at least on dK, I don't know what he was on Fanduel. Uh, but uh, you know that, that's just just the thing and that's that's a great point too. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it's knowing that and knowing the math behind it. Is probably what separates a lot of the winning players from those that are just dabbling.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things in, you know, single entry GPP, especially if you're, you're, you're talking about a a contest with a hundred people or whatever, um, you know, you're going to be able to pull up the numbers and and look at the, look at the Vegas odds, look at the implied, you know, totals there. And, you know, you're probably going to have, um, three teams that day that, that are projected for, you know, five and a half runs or 5.2 runs or whatever, you know, where it's the the Yankees are at home against the lefty or something like that. There's, it's probably going to be three teams and, you know, um, a lot of the ownership rate is going to be based on, um, what the different websites algorithms are, are pumping out. And, um, a lot of the, the projections that come out, uh, lean on those Vegas numbers, uh, quite a bit. So, that'll kind of give you a good guide as to which teams are going to be, um, the highest owned teams. And, you know, on those days where, you know, the Yankees are projected for like 5.7 runs or whatever, you know, if it's a little bit of a shorter slate or something like that, you know, you can expect those guys to be probably, you know, 40% owned, right. Um, you know, so just look at things through those lenses, you know, that's, that's the one pivot that you might have to make that day. That'll make the difference. You know, you take a look at that where, you know, okay, I do like the Yankees and I do think they're going to score some runs. You know, they're, they're in a good matchup there. But, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's summer weather in LA and the Dodgers are at home against a righty. Um, that's a team that can, you know, really get to a right-handed pitcher as well. And, you know, maybe you're looking at things and the Dodgers are only projected at 5.2 runs. Well, all the algorithms are going to push people towards the Yankees. Those teams, what you know, what what's really the difference in, in projections between those two teams on that slate? It's probably not a whole lot different, but the ownership re- uh, ownership rates are are not going to reflect that. So that's that's kind of the the single entry GPP strategy um, that that I employ. You know, just take a look and cross the the two most popular ones, or or maybe on a slate cross off the three most popular teams. Or you know, there are those slates where you've got to be able to admit that. Hey, the Yankees are going to be popular, and that's just not chalk that I'm going to be able to avoid today.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: Uh, and no,
2: and that that probably is a little bit more art than it is science. Sometimes I gotta imagine it's just you just have to have that feeling, I guess. Uh, and that comes with experience and comes with playing playing a lot. Um, something I'm still working on on the DFS side of things. Uh, I want to talk a little specifics on Dodgers, but first, a quick note from our friends at Moon Baseball Road Trips, uh, the complete guide to all the ballparks with beer, bites, and sights nearby. Arriving just in time for the 2021 season, this brand new Moon Travel Guides book is the ultimate guide to baseball. This book is as much a travel guide as it is a dive into the classic American road trip, vibrant fan communities, baseball history, and of course, the 30 incredible MLB cities. Seven road trip routes with detailed itineraries. It's organized by region, so you can drive a loop through the Midwest, cruise along the West Coast, or hit the ballparks from Boston to D.C. Insider advice for visiting each ballpark, so not just how to catch a game, but tips on snagging tickets, securing the best seats, and insider scoop on the best bars and restaurants nearby. The insider scoop, this insider scoop comes from author and lifelong baseball fan, Timothy Malcolm. He served as a senior writer and editor at Phillies Nation, written stories for the Hardball Times, and has been featured on Mets Blog and Yahoo, Yahoo's Big League Stew, that is. He's also hosted two baseball podcasts himself, including the Phillies Nation broadcast. To write this book, Tim hit the road and explored everything from Boston to Seattle to Phoenix and the Bay, bringing the experience of the game to readers across the world. For the ultimate baseball experience this summer, order your copy of Moon Baseball Road Trips, available at online retailers and your local bookstore. Or at www.moon.com. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Brock Miller from Fade the Noise. Brock, have you done any uh, good baseball road trips?
3: Yeah, so I actually try to do um, a few road trips every year. I spend actually most of my weekends doing some kind of a road trip, whether it's baseball related or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, road trips for for baseball stadiums are are one of my favorite things, um, and. I kind of have this goal. I thought it was a cool goal at the time, but it turns out that everybody more or less has the same goal, and that is to see a baseball game at every stadium, all the major stadiums. And I don't know where you are on your list. I am about halfway through. I'm at 15. I'm actually at like 16 stadiums, but one of them um, was uh, uh, the old Texas stadium. So uh, at some point or another, I'm going to have – if I do complete my list, it's going to be with 31 stadiums. Um, just because I'm going to have to double up over there in Arlington. But uh, where are you out on your list?
2: Yeah, so I've got a similar problem, except it's a bigger problem. I've got like 20-plus stadiums, but at least five or six are no longer, including my favorite team, the Reds. I have not been to Great American Ballpark. I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a horrible fan, obviously. Uh, but I, I've done like the old St. Louis Stadium, but not the new one. I've done the old Baltimore Stadium, but not the current one. You know, I'm old is kind of what I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, I, I've done most of the West Coast. The only one I haven't done on the West Coast is Oakland. Uh, so I, I, I will try to do that sometime. I've done both San Francisco's. I've done both San Diego's, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, obviously. I've done Seattle, which was pretty awesome. Uh, but have not done, uh, have not done uh, Oakland. I was in Denver for – we did a family road trip this last summer, which was awesome. Denver is part of it. But of course, we just walked around the outside of Coors Field. doesn't really count, uh, which is unfortunate. But I, I really want to do a, a series of road trips. Might have to wait till the kids are out done with school, but uh, at some point we'll do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love baseball stadiums. Love doing all sorts of them. Want I've been to 43 states also, so trying to get all 50 states, all 30 stadiums.
3: Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, that's funny you say that. I'm, I'm the exact same. I've been to all the West Coast ones. Except for Oakland, um. yeah, not <laughs>
2: exactly. Cool. You know, the thing is, I, if if I went with Jenstad to an A's uh, game, it'd be a blast. You know, I, I was totally say, be no
3: offense to Scott, but
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, it's hard to want to go to that stadium, especially if they're seeking a new one out. Anyhow, uh, although that seems like uh, that that's never going to happen. It's like the white whale trying to find a place to build a stadium. No one wants them.
3: Yeah, and that stadium too. I I think it's probably uh, the general consensus amongst all baseball fans well at least you know ones that that know and care if you had to just kind of make a list if you only got to go to like a couple different stadiums that's probably the one that's least likely to make it on your list I think
2: yeah I think you're probably right about that
3: Um, I I want to talk
2: about your Dodgers though Uh, you are a Dodgers fan this was a tough week you know I was actually out with a few friends last night, and a group of people, and all Dodger fans. They're all going kind of, you know, they're rooting on like it was a playoff game. It was, I think, there's this edge to Dodger fans right now, like kind of just get off this night. You know, it's coming. You know, like you win one, they're going to be fine. Uh, It's like we'll be, we'll be back on track. But getting that one has been just really a hassle lately.
3: Oh, it has been. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers, I swear though. I think it's like three out of the last 16 or something like that. only three wins right. in the last, you know, whatever, two and a half weeks. It's been tough, it's been like a myriad of problems. It's been defense, it's been it's been the bullpen a lot. Um, you know, starting pitching's been fine. You've you know, you got like you know, four aces there. Um, Dustin May going down really bums me out. Yeah. I, I don't know if you caught wind of this kind of preseason you know everybody was trying to ha- you know it, it just for whatever reason on twitter everybody felt like they needed to plant their flag on on either the dus- uh tony gonzlin hill or or on the dustin may hill and basically everybody was was over there on the dustin may side and i was all, all alone over there um kind of i i i well maybe it was just me <laughs> I take that back. Maybe it was just me that felt like I had to plant my flag there, but you know, I was really uh, confident in, in Tony Gonsolin over um, Dustin May. And I took Gonsolin I was,
2: over May in the main. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm in Kathmandu with you. Uh, so. I uh,
3: really like the upside with Dustin May. Obviously, anybody can go out there and you know throw 100 miles in uh, 100 miles an hour in the sixth inning is is somebody that you know you want to watch. And and he's so great with you know the gifts the the pitching ninja gifts last year and stuff and our gifs excuse me if i (laughs) I don't know which way you pronounce that but Uh, i don't um, even care (laughs) um so dustin i mean he was really taking a step forward he was really proving me wrong and i couldn't have been more happy to be wrong you know really just you know watching him be out there and, and thrive he was missing bats i don't know you know they they really just changed around the way that they were attacking hitters with his arsenal and and um just not shocked that, that a team like the Dodgers was able to figure that out for him. Um, and then he gets hurt. <laughs> like, looks like we like might so need another. Hill. I mean, Gonsolin might,
2: Gonsolin might come back. They're saying in like three to four weeks and they're hoping no. to get him up to four to five innings. We might have to go uh, find a little molehill, a uh, Hosea, uh, Hosea Gray molehill or uh, Mitchell White. I don't know. I, I remember seeing Mitchell White pitch in Rancho Cucamonga like three years ago, but uh, you know, He's not bad either. I mean, but it's just kind of funny that they're a team with so much depth is starting to, it's just running thin right now. And I, I think they'll get, they'll get some of these reinforcements back, but you know, when their depth guys aren't performing, we talked about Rios earlier. It really stings. And I think they've had like 12 pitchers go on the IL. Alexander went on today. They, although they did get uh, Joe Kelly back today. So, you know, it's a trade off, I suppose, but it's just, they, 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 they've been really pushing that depth angle this year.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, they've, They've had to uh, dip a little bit deeper in the well than I think that they would have liked to, obviously. And you know, guys like Luke Luke Rayley, Sheldon Noisy. Sheldon Noisy had a good couple days, but I don't know. He he's somebody that I think long term. You know, if you could you know ship him off to a team that could just kind of let him play every day and and let him develop a little bit more, I think he could be a guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that the Dodgers are really going to be able to afford him that opportunity. But so he hasn't been much. Um, you know, Rayley is another guy that. You know, he, I think he's a similar situation there. They've already called up DJ Peters, who is just definitely feels like that guy that's going to be able to hit 30 home runs in the minors, but it's not going to translate to the major league level. Um, I, I think they're, they're really seeing there that, um, you know, letting Jock go. Um, especially I was surprised. I don't know about you. I was surprised. What was it? One year and six million with Chicago. Yeah. Um, if the price tag was that low, why didn't the Dodgers just bring him back? Yeah. Um, I you know like of course you know if if he was going to go out there and get a big deal, then I can see like okay, you're the Dodgers, you're going to find somebody or whatever. But for one year and six million, you know, come on, I I think that they're they're kind of hurting there. Um, I feel like they, you know, injuries aside, they had capably replaced Keke Hernandez. Um, you know, Zach McKinstry was playing pretty well there, and he's a guy he hasn't put up any flashy numbers in the minor leagues, but I think you can look at some of the underlying numbers you know, that, that walk rate and some other things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think you could see that McKinstry is a guy who is going to be a solid um, major league player. You know, he's probably not going to be an everyday player at any one position or whatever. Um, But I think he's going to kind of go the way of Kike Hernandez, you know, be a useful utility guy that they can use for a couple of years. And then uh, eventually, you know, maybe he can move on to another team that wants to play him every day or whatever. Um, But definitely a a capable replacement for Kike Hernandez. But, they did not find the replacement for Jock.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately when the replacements for the replacements get hurt, you know, it's kind of a problem too. When McKinstry goes oh, yeah. down, that's tough. Yeah, you know, It's funny. You mentioned Zoc- uh, Jock because Scott Jenstad friend, you know, co-host and friend of ours asked if some random person were to have to bet on Jock Peterson's BA at a batting average at the end of the season, will you be willing to add 50 points for each bat flip for walking off homers that are really routine flyouts? referring to last night's game? I think the wind had a lot to do with it, but yeah, it's so funny. He thought he had a, like a monster shot. And it didn't even reach the warning track there. And he, he had this look of like disbelief on his face. The whole bar kind of erupted too last night when he hit it. It looked like he had, it, it hit it. It was it was typical to like being at a stadium and reacting to a routine fly ball. But, you know, the way everybody reacted, including him. But it was kind of funny.
3: When he hit it, I, um, you know, I happened to be at uh, the the taco place in downtown over there. And when he hit the ball, I stood up out of my seat. I thought I was – Thought I was grabbing my phone. I thought I was grabbing my wallet. I thought I was walking out. I, I thought it was yeah. gone, and I was like, "I don't want to watch any more of this. I can't take any more of this." I, I, I started to get up, and it was caught. I mean, it, it, it fooled him. It, it fooled me too. I, I thought he got it, but uh, so a little yeah. bit of perspective or a little bit of background there. Scott and I have a bet. We made a side bet um, in the preseason about, oh, Jock Peterson's, about Jock Peterson's batting average. Yeah, this was kind of a, a behind the scenes bet there. Um, you know, we were having a little bit of a discussion there and, um, you know, I was excited about the idea of, of Jock being able to play every day and, and where he was being drafted at the time he was being drafted like 350 overalls pretty, uh, early in the draft season, but he was, you know, way down there, um, you know, for, for a guy that could go out there and hit 38 home runs again, like he did two years ago, you know, especially if he was going to be able to play every day. I But I also thought the other side of that coin was. Hey, you know, if he's going to be playing against lefties, that's going to hurt his batting average even more. He only hit a buck ninety last year. Um, you know, even with a little bit of luck this year, I thought I, I can't remember our bet. I'll have to go back through the DMs to to verify. I can't remember if we put the number at two twenty two, two twenty eight, somewhere in that range. Um, I, I thought he was going to hit below that number. I got the under. Scott has the over. Um, so looking at it, you know, so far not so good. He's hitting a buck forty three. Um, it is early um, but it's kind of I'm a little bit worried I'm I'm feeling good about my well I'm feeling good about my bet because there's a lot of guys hitting a buck 43 there's 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 a there's a lot of guys hitting a buck 70 you know batting average is down already and um, you know if if Jock's going to struggle at all I don't know but you know he started out it's 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 Chicago it's cold up there it's going to warm up they're going to have those games where you know the wind's blowing out there Um, I, I think you know, Jock's definitely going to rebound. I hope he does. You know, I made this bet sort of against him in a way as a hedge because I drafted sure. him a lot. In a lot of well, teams, and in spring so. training,
2: you're probably feeling pretty good too. He oh, was killing man. it in
3: spring training. He was, he was mashing. He, he looked like he was going to make the Dodgers sorry. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's still time though. I mean, the weather, I mean, the Cubs have played in a lot of crappy weather. Um, they have some of the extreme slumpers out there. I don't know. I think there's plenty of time for it to turn on. He just has to stay out there long enough. I think that's the big key is just staying healthy, but uh, I think it's coming. Uh, a couple other questions before we wrap up here. Fantasy Football Ninja asks, when do you think Eloy will be back? Worth a stash in a redraft? <sighs> Unless you have an IL spot, no. I think if you have an IL spot, sure, park him. But I, yeah, I, I I, wouldn't go out and try to find a pick him up I don't see him coming back until August, maybe even September. So hard to tell with a long-term injury like this.
3: Yeah, I, I think we're probably two months away from having to make that decision. You know, maybe in, you know, maybe late June people start, you know, thinking about it. I, I think you got time to kind of wait and maybe hear some news on it a little bit there. I You know, maybe in a normal year, yeah, sure, you know, go for it. You know, like in a normal year, um, you know, go pick up Chris Sale right now. Right now, you need all those bench spots. There's, yeah. there's so many injuries. There's so many players being platoon. A couple points that we've already, um, you know, made these points already, but they're they're going to apply again here. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you need every inch of that bench.
2: Yeah, you sure do. Uh, you, you play a lot of games in the uh, in FPC platform, whether it's a DC. I know you're in at least in one online. I think you, and obviously TGFBI. And you just know the stashes kill you after a while. I mean, yes, everybody remembers Mike Mike Trout, right? You know, you know, OK, you stashed him. It worked out great. What about all those other guys that didn't get the call up right away? You know, it's tough. You know, I'm holding on to uh, Wander and like a, in a D.C. It makes sense a little bit, but, you know, it's tough. You're holding on to those stashes. Meanwhile, you get you, you're losing all those at bats from guys that are hurt. It just adds up after a while.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, most of the leagues that we're kind of looking at these um, for, you know, the the OC Championships, um, TGFBI, those those kinds of leagues and stuff like that. You know, you're looking at a pretty limited bench, and and you need that because you know not only for those injuries. I mean, the stuff that's just happening on a daily basis. Um, it doesn't feel like in years past. Um, you know, getting in there and adjusting rosters for the weekend series was was quite a big deal I mean every single one of my rosters I have to take out a hurt person for the weekend series every single week you know I I I would do that you know I I always felt like in years past it was going a little bit above and beyond where I'd get on there Thursday night and kind of roll through and look at matchups like oh okay you're going up against the nationals you're going to see Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg or whatever like okay things aren't looking good for you who else is on my bench you know I I felt like I was going above and beyond to do that this year you've got no other choice but to go through there because you're pulling out hurt guys.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I I think you're right. It's, it's, it's used to be like, okay, well, we can look at platoons. You know, we can, Oh yeah. Good ballpark. We'll, we'll choose that. We have choices. No, it's just like, I don't want to take a zero here. I don't want to take a zero then, you know, sometimes. And then of course the guy gets hurt on Friday night. It doesn't matter anyhow, but uh, so it goes. Uh, Last question. uh, Nate asks, Madrigal for Matt Chapman. I answered this on Twitter, but I want to hear your thought. AL only two reserves, one of which he has Wander Franco stash. He has Fletcher, Nicky Lopez, and Laurie Garcia available for second, eligible for second base. So it feels like he can spare him. Would you trade uh, Nick Madrigal for Matt Chapman?
3: You know, I, I kind of um, I didn't end up with a lot of uh, Matt Chapman through drafts just because I was a little bit worried about that offseason surgery there. But yep. um, you know, he's looked okay. He's hit, you know probably hitting a bucket like everybody else there. I, you know, I, I looked at that question on Twitter, and my answer is a little bit less about, um, a little bit less about him, and it's more about, you know, Madrigal. Madrigal looks kind of the way that we thought he would. He's he's got no home runs. Um, he's hitting 300, but he hits ninth in that lineup. It's not a lot of chance for him to move up there. Um, if you know, if he's going to hit an empty 300, you know, the big thing with him, and I think you're going to notice this as well, he's stolen one base so far. Um, it, it's not like he's only been on base three times. Like, come on, one stolen base right. with all that speed. Um, he's hit ninth and he's not running. He'll probably run a little bit at, at some point at least. But, um, who, who was the, um, the other options They the guy had somebody else at second base who, yeah, just, he's
2: got Fletcher, he's got Lurie Garcia. Yeah. He's got like three guys that are eligible at second. So it's yeah. not like he would be short there. I mean, they're not, it's an AL only though too. So keep that in mind. It's like playing time's King. I get that. Uh, for me, it's a snap call. Uh, you know, the only thing it'd be is like, okay, I'm hurting on batting average and you don't want that because yeah, Chapman's going to hurt your batting average comparatively, but you're going to get so much more. And he, and he, I'm looking at Chapman's game log too. And he, you know, he's starting to come around like in the last, I think he's got like a 900 OPS in the last 14 days, uh, eight something in the last 21. Uh, so, you know, after an awful start dealing with that hip injury, seems fine now.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And you know, David Fletcher's gonna is gonna be a guy. It's not, you know, you you weren't um, you know, you weren't playing magical at third base anyway. So I, I don't know what the other option at third base is there, but it's not like magical is gonna hit 340 and you're gonna want to replace um you know David Fletcher with, with magical because David right. Fletcher is probably gonna be hitting 320 for you. Andy it's at the top of that lineup. He's got Mike Trout behind him, he's gonna have the counting stats, he's gonna score a lot of runs. He's he's even been running. I think he actually has a few stolen bases. So you know, he's he's out running magical. You're just you're probably not gonna replace um you know Fletcher with magical anyway. So I'm I'm with you. Absolutely. All right. Uh thanks for the question, Nick. Hey, before we sign off, Brock, uh, what are you working
2: on? Where can people find your stuff? Uh what's the best way, way to get a hold of your advice?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh follow me on Twitter there. Uh I am working with FTN right now. I um do a uh, a semi weekly uh, podcast with my buddies Matt and Matt over there for FTN. Um, we mostly talk season long stuff there. Um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, work has been kind of a beast for me, and we haven't really been able to go forward with the plan. Um, you know, w- w- with our initial plan, I-, I plan to be a little bit on their DFS show with them uh, in-, in the mornings, talking DFS and stuff like that. And that hasn't quite Worked out yet? I think things are calming down a little bit, and um, you're you're probably going to f- see a little bit more from me uh, at Ftn uh, in in the near future here. So um, we'll just kind of have to play it by ear there, but uh, definitely hit me up on Twitter. Um, as busy as I get, I always answer every single question that comes to me on Twitter. You know, whether you just you know write me there or, or send me an inbox, whatever, I'm always down to help if you just want to, you know, chat baseball, I'm usually available to do that. I I find a way. So um, definitely uh, FTN. And um, if you're curious about the site, if you're interested in any of the DFS stuff that that I was talking about earlier there, um, FTN has a great site for that FTN daily. Um, There's projections on there. There's ownership projections, you know, something that I was kind of talking about, you know, looking at those those ownership rates in single entry GPP. You want a good website that's going to be able to give you good ownership projections. Something you could definitely find at ftndaily.com. Um, so give us a look over there. If you have questions about it, um, you know, absolutely. You know, hit me up about that. I'll. I can teach you how to use the site. I can, you know, basically whatever you need. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm there.
2: Very good. Hey Brock, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for jumping on with us today. Uh, good to get to actually talk to you after just like tweeting back and forth all this time
3: absolutely agree completely uh really enjoyed it here and uh look forward to listening to all the other rotowire podcasts
2: awesome and, and what next one coming up is there two start starters with clay and uh, uh, clay and todd zola tomorrow so make sure to tune in for that thanks for listening today have a great day
1: try rotowire today free for 10 days get our premium tools rankings analysis and breaking news alerts no credit card
3: required go to rotowire.com forward slash try
4: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance